0: So now let's see and let's start with this other part, always talking about the cell. And last lecture and little bit that we did today is basically about the membrane, about the plasma membrane, transport across the membrane, which are the processes that we need to remember. And now we're gonna talk about the cytoplasm and the nucleus. So today and on Tuesday, we're going to spend some time talking about the nucleus and some processes of the nucleus. Well, let's start with the cytoplasm now. The cell, as we mentioned, has three main parts, nucleus, cytoplasm, and the plasma membrane. We talk about the plasma membrane, now we go to the cytoplasm. What is a cytoplasm? Is that all that material that we find between the membrane and the nucleus of the cell. What's in there? Well, first, the solution, a gel like solution that contains chemicals water, electrolytes, sodium, potassium, etc., sugars, amino acids, and many other molecules. It has Gel-like appearance, it's defined as a gel-like solution because of the presence of all these. Besides, we have inclusions that includes granules of different types. Glycogen is one of them. We mentioned glycogen last time as the storage form of carbohydrates. Well, if we see cells from the liver, the cells from the liver, uh, liver cells will have in the cytoplasm inclusions, glycogen inclusions, because that's exactly where the glycogen is present. But not only, there may be pigments, lipid droplets, like in the adipose cells, in the adipose tissue. These cells, they have a big bubble of triglycerides. That's defined as inclusion. Vacuoles, uh, crystals, many different other types. And organelles. Organelles. This word literally means small organ. Because if we make the analogy of a body an organism with the organs, well, if the cell is the organism. All these little uh, components will be the little organs, and they are functional particles that have different different types of uh, functions. This is the list of organelles that we're going to review quickly. They are divided in two types, membranous and non-membranous. <coughs> Among the membranous, we have mitochondria, endoplasmic reticulum, which is abbreviated as ER, Golgi apparatus, peroxisomes, and lysosomes. And a group of non-membranous ribosomes, cytoskeleton, and centrioles. Membranous, when we say membranous, is that we actually mean the same type of membrane, the the same type of membrane that we find as the cell membrane or plasma membrane. We'll see that we call this endomembrane system and uh, most of these organs are part of it. Starting with the mitochondria. Mitochondria are the place Are the organelles, where ATP are produced. And that's how we should remember them. These are the places where ATP is produced. That molecule of ATP with high energy bonds, so that's why this is called the power plant, the mitochondria. And how the mitochondria produce ATP? Well, there's a complex mechanism of cellular metabolism, we call it, with the glucose, And other molecules are oxidized, and that energy is required and used to be stored in the high bonds, high energy bonds of the molecule of ATP. Oxygen is required for this, the mitochondria needs oxygen to produce ATP, and that's the reason why we call this cellular respiration. If we see the structure of the mitochondria, we see double membranes. There's an inner membrane with cristae, and that's where all the enzymes are present, enzymes that will be responsible for this transformation of glucose into ATP, or maybe amino acids into ATP, or even lipids into ATP. This slide is showing the diagram that shows the appearance of the mitochondria. Um, If we see an amplification of the mitochondria, we see here, this is represented as small sticks with uh, little circles, representing the enzymes in the inner membrane. That's where all these chemical reactions will happen. Now, following that, the mitochondria are power plants. Mitochondria will be present in different amounts in different types of cells. Cells that require more energy, they will have lots of mitochondria. Cells that require less energy, they don't have much mitochondria. (coughs) For instance, if we talk about muscular cells, skeletal muscle, the muscle has to move and contract. and needs lots of energy. Lots of mitochondria are present. If we think about the red blood cells, blood cells which the only function, function they have is transport oxygen. They don't do much. They don't have mitochondria. They don't need many ATPs. They produce ATPs, they need ATPs, but not in large amounts. And there are other mechanisms by which they produce ATPs. So more mitochondria and cells that consume more energy, depending on their functions. Next organelle, the ribosome. Ribosome is a non-membranous. So remember of the ribosome, protein synthesis. This is the place where the proteins are produced, are manufactured. Remember, proteins are long chains of amino acids, so in the ribosomes is where this assembly will happen amino acid, plus amino acid and long, long chain of amino acids called protein is produced here. What is made of? Made of proteins, different types of protein and a type of RNA known as the ribosomal RNA. We find two forms of ribosomes. Some of them are free. That means that they are just free in the cytoplasm. And some of them are attached to membranes. And we'll see membranes of who. There's another organ that I call endoplasmic reticulum or ER. That's what the ribosomes, some ribosomes are attached to. So ribosomes, protein synthesis. That's where the proteins are manufactured. And the ribosomes lead us to talk about the endoplasmic reticulum or ER. Endoplasmic reticulum, it's a labyrinth. It's a labyrinth of many, many membranes, flattened membranes, membranous tubes that determine some spaces that we call fluid-filled interiors. And the ER, endoplasmic reticulum, is a continuum. It's continuous with the nuclear membrane and even with the plasma membrane. They are made of the same type of membrane, phospholipids with proteins. Well, the ER is found in two varieties. One of them is called rough ER, and the second is called smooth ER. Rough because if we see under the electron microscope, that's where we will see ribosomes. Remember, some type of ribosomes, we say they're attached to membranes, membranes of the endoplasmic reticulum there are some other portions of ER that don't have any mm, ribosomes, and that's called smooth ER. As we see here, all this blue labyrinth that we see here is endoplasmic reticulum. And we said it's continuous with the nuclear envelope, the nuclear membrane, so it's a set of membranes. And some, of, some portion of it, if you see careful in the picture, uh, you have red granules attached to it. Well, that's a rough ER. And this other part is called smooth ER because it doesn't have any ribosomes attached to it. They have different functions. The rough ER, since it's connected to ribosomes, that is a place where the ribosomes produce the proteins, will make the proteins, and will just put it inside the spaces of the rough ER. Smooth ER, it contains enzymes of different types and is useful for production of other substances in the smooth ER. But again, this is a continuum. It's the same labyrinth called ER. It's just that some portions have ribosomes attached and the other portion doesn't have any ribosomes attached to it. Golgi apparatus. The Golgi is another membranous organelle, membranous organelle, which function is, it is connected to the ER, it's connected to the ER. And because functionally, what the Golgi apparatus does is to modify, to concentrate and package things that are produced in the ER, like proteins, like lipids. How they are connected? Well, vesicles, transport vesicles from the ER, they join the Golgi apparatus. It's vesicles, it's membrane. ER is membranous, Golgi is membranous. Well, these vesicles go from the ER to the Golgi. In the Golgi, the substances, protein, lipids, are taken inside and that's where the Golgi does its work. Modification, concentration, sorting, packaging of all these molecules. And then, it continues its way because the Golgi, since its is again, it will just transport the substances through other vesicles on the other side. Again, transport vesicles. So, it's like a director of traffic. It receives, modifies, concentrates, package, and then sends these to the outside. In this graph, we can see that much better. Excuse me. Yes. produces proteins and then transports the Golgi apparatus? Yes, the ER, the ER uh, receives the proteins that are produced by the ribosomes, yeah. uh, produces other proteins like lipids, and they transport this to the Golgi because those proteins and lipids, they still have to be modified. They are like the rough material. And the Golgi, does what it does. It adds some groups, some molecules, and groups, et cetera, and package, so package, and it send it out. So it's like basically. The yeah, exactly, right. exactly. And uh, you see that in the graph? The transport vesicle coming from the ER here, joining to the Golgi, and that end, which is called the cis phase, the receiving part. And inside, you see the small dots, like blue dots inside the Golgi and the cisterns. And in the other side of the Golgi, called the transphase, is where they are secreted or sent out. And that's the shipping side of the Golgi. And now we have secretory vesicles that will eliminate the contents to the outside or sometimes to the inside. But usually to the outside of the membrane of the cell. So the Golgi is understood as a traffic director and modifier of the molecules produced by ribosomes and ER. More membranous organelles, peroxisomes. Peroxisomes are vesicles, membranous sacs, that contain enzymes very powerful enzymes, which are detoxifying, detoxifying. Here we need to talk about free radicals. Free radicals are molecules that are produced when we break down glucose, when we produce energy and need to break down <coughs> glucose, amino acids, lipids and so Well, complex and very complicated chemical reactions will occur, and as a result of that, Sometimes the molecules and atoms are not well-balanced and these molecules are are dangerous, are harmful to the cells. They're called free radicals because usually they are like um, oxygen with excessive amount of negative charges and that is really dangerous for the cell. So it needs to be Destroyed. It needs to be neutralized. And that's why we have enzymes for that. Oxidases, oxidases, which take the oxygen that is not well-balanced chemically and turn it into hi- hydrogen peroxide, which is toxic. But peroxisome also contains this other enzyme called catalase which will turn the peroxide into water. And with that, no damage done to the cell. This is the concept of antioxidants also. Sometimes we see in the advertising that they say, well, you should take this, let's say vitamin E because it's a powerful antioxidant. And what it means, it, it means that those molecules they work as enzymes that neutralize the free radicals of our body. Because there are some theories about cancer, for instance, that are based in the excessive amount of free radicals that are produced in our body, in our cells. And the theory is that if we take antioxidants that will neutralize the free radicals and we can help you, we can decrease the risk of of cancer. Uh, But it's not that. It's not just that. There are many other factors playing here, but antioxidants are important. Their function and uh, uh, it is proven, it is true. And not exactly medications, but there are many foods and fruits and vegetables that have a very powerful antioxidant effect, and they are very good for us. And instead of, of choosing between some food that contains a large amount of antioxidants and others that does not, well, it's better to choose that without dioxins. But that's what the peroxisomes do. They neutralize harmful substances that uh, damages the cells uh, as products of the metabolism. Lysosomes, still membranous organelles. And in this case, these lysosomes, they contain digestive enzymes. Digestive enzymes. Well, the lysosomes, the point is, they're very safe places, Safe places. like these enzymes that can easily destroy the cell, they are inside the lysosomes, enclosed there. And whenever we need to kill bacteria, like uh, one of these white blood cells fighting bacteria as in, during an infection, they get the bacteria by endocytosis, fuse it with the lysosome, and inside the lysosome, the enzymes will just kill the bacteria and turn it into pieces, actually. In that way, uh, lysosomes are also uh, useful to recycle material. Like, imagine mitochondria that are getting very old and are not working well, and they need to be recycled. They are destroyed and new are formed. Lysosomes contain enzymes of different types, like enzymes for breaking down and release glycogen, to break down and release calcium from the bone. If we need calcium, we can take it from the bone. Where are the enzymes for this? Inside the lysosomes. Or autolysis. This is a word that means self-destruction. How can the cell destroy itself? Well, there's a process called apoptosis, autolysis, or autolysis in which sometimes, some cells, what they do is they program their cell death, and they eliminate themselves. How? Releasing the contents of the lysosomes, and those powerful enzymes will just destroy everything. Lysosomes are seen in this uh, special view. This is under the electron microscope. We cannot see in this way with these microscopes. It's completely different. Uh, electron microscopes are very high magnification and uh, these lysosomes are important because sometimes there are people with diseases um, who are deficient in some enzymes and those lysosomes they don't contain N- some enzymes and they cannot break down some products so the cell starts accumulating things they cannot be broken down and uh, they get damaged, the cells get damaged. Um, There are people that have accumulation of deposits of glycogen in the liver that cannot be broken down. Some people accumulate different types of substances in different organs because the absence of enzymes in the lysosomes. So all these mem- uh, organs that we've been mentioning are part of the endomembrane, or they are membranous organs, but they are part of the endomembrane system. As we have described, ER, Golgi apparatus, secretory vesicles, lysosomes, and they are continuous with the nuclear membrane and even the plasma membrane. So in general we can say and summarize that all these organelles and membranes they work to produce, degrade, store and export different types of molecules and to degrade harmful substances. That's what we call the endomembrane system. And it can be seen in this way in this picture, nuclear membrane or envelope, continues with the smooth ER, rough ER, the Golgi, the different transport vesicles, and the plasma membrane. Now let's talk about some other organelles, which are considered non-membranes. And to talk about these organelles, we need to uh, review the concept of cytoskeleton. Because the cells have kind of a skeleton, which is determined by a network of ruts. Ruts made of proteins. Proteins that are of the type fibrous proteins. They are present in different types of cells. They are present in muscular cells, neurons, skin cells, as part of this cytoskeleton. And these rods made of proteins, which are fibrous proteins, they are made of, they are of three types, called microfilaments, intermediate filaments, and microtubules. The difference is according to the size of them and uh, where they are found and what the functions are. So, let's go and review each of these types, giving some examples of where we find these uh, different components. as part of the cytoskeleton. Starting with the microfilaments. The microfilaments are the thinnest of all three. The protein is called actin these fibrous proteins arranged in ways of strands they are good for keeping the cell shape they are involved also in cell motility cells move like macrophages white blood cells when they are going to fight bacteria they have to move and these microfilaments help for that and change the s- shape of the cell or maybe involve endocytosis, exocytosis, because when the membrane has to engulf something and make a vesicle, there must be some mechanism that pulls the membrane, and that's determined by the microfilaments. The protein is called actin. And it can be, it can be seen like this. Um, there are some special preparations, especially a technique in microscopy called immunofluorescence, where we can stain these microfilaments and uh, we can have this view. And we actually see the skeleton, skeleton, like the fibers, uh, uh, fibers running across in different directions and they determine the shape of the cell. The second type is called intermediate filament because of the size is intermediate between microfilaments and microtubules. It's thicker because it's arranged in a different way. They are like tetramers, four different strands. They get together, forming a strongest fiber, stronger fiber. And they are usually found in places where pulling forces are excessive, like filaments attached to desmosomes. Desmosomes was one of the type of cell junctions that we described last time, and we say they are found in the epithelium or skin cells, for instance or pulling forces, if you pull the stretch of the skin, The pulling forces may be very strong. And that is where the intermediate filaments uh, work. Those filaments in the skin are made of keratin, this protein called keratin, in epithelial cells like the skin cell. There are neurofilaments in nerve cells, in the neurons, there are also intermediate filaments. We see here, there are tetramers, four fibrils, all uh, twisted together, and uh, determining these intermediate filaments. Again, we can get to see this with the immunofluorescence technique, as we see in this photograph. And microtubules, microtubules. They are the largest of all, the thickest of all. Tubulin is called the protein subunits. And they are found in an organelle called centrosome. In the cell, we have an organelle called centrosome, and that centrosome is made of microtubules. What is this good for? Well, the microtubules determine specific kind of rails or railways or railroads for the organelles. The organelles are not actually I'm talking of mitochondria ribosomes. We say they are free in the cytoplasm. They're not actually free, they are moving and they are attached to these microtubules. We don't get to see them usually unless we use special techniques like immunofluorescence. One example, uh, we have neurons in the nervous system. and the nervous system, the neuron may be really long, maybe up to one meter long, 50 centimeters. And that neuron has to transport neurotransmitters, chemicals, from one side to the other, to one end to the other. How it goes? Well, it goes following ra- railways determined by filaments or microtubules. We can see them here, again, we see them under immunofluorescence, we see endocytoplasm, it's like many different pathways of streets. And that's where the organelles are moving around. We say that microtubules are located in the centrosome. And the centrosome is an organelle. It's an organelle located near the nucleus. That is why it's called centrosome, like the cell center. And it has a matrix and centrioles. Centrioles are a pair of microtubular uh, organelles lying at right angles to each other. What is this for? Well, the microtubules uh, from the centrosome I and centrioles, they work in cell division. We'll see that mitosis, or we'll review next time. Mitosis is cell division. Mechanisms mechanism of cell reproduction. And we'll see how the chromosomes containing DNA, they move, they move to the central part of the cell and they they move to, it, to every pole of the cell. And that happens along the microtubules produced by the centrosome and centrioles. Now the centros are also the basis for, um, of the cilia and flagella. These words, cilia and flagella, are plural. And this is uh, Latin language that is still used in medicine and biology. And the singular words are these two that I'm writing. For cilia, plural, cilium is the singular. And for flagella, plural, flagellum is the singular form this word. What are cilia and flagella? This is a graph of the centrosome. The centrosome is all this containing centrioles located at a right angle to each other. Cilia and flagella, for what? Cilia and flagella are cellular extensions. Cellular extensions that help in movement. Movement of the cell or movement of materials across the surface of the cell. Couple of examples, cilia are present on the surface of cells of the respiratory system. So inside the throat, the larynx, trachea, bronchi, these cells, they have cilia that work like brushes, and those cilia are moving all the time, sweeping away everything that we breathe, like dust particles, carbon particles, and they sweep away all these materials all the time, movement, transport of of materials across the surface of the cell, that's what the cilia uh, do. Flagella, the only cell, the only human cell, that has a flagellum is what cell? It's only one cell that has a flagellum, or tail, is a sperm cell. That is the only cell that has a flagellum in the human body. Movement, the sperm cell has to move. It has to move across the reproductive tract, the female reproductive tra- tract, to find the egg for fertilization, Well those are cilia and flagella. Microvilli is also considered a cellular extension, but it's different. It's different because microvilli are finger-like projections, usually on the surface of the cell, and the function is to increase the surface area of the membrane. Those are just foldings of the membrane. They don't help for movement they help to increase the surface area of the cell. So cilia and flagella, here we see a difference, two cells, one with cilia, the other with flagella, with one flagellum. Well, bacteria, there are many types of bacteria that have flagellum also, sometimes two, and those are bacteria that move, have motile characteristics. Cilia, the best example for cilia is mentioned here, the respiratory cells. Mucus, the mucus that is produced in the respiratory cells plus the movement of the cilia. And that's why every morning, what is the first thing we usually do in the morning? As soon as we wake up and before you brush your teeth or do anything, before you speak, that's what we do. Why? Because during the night, all the cilia are moving, all the things from the trachea bronchi up to the throat. And we want to speak, everything is there, we need to do this. Flagella, as mentioned, is only present in the sperm cell. Flagella or tail, we can call them either way. Well, the most proper term is flagella. Microtubules. Microtubules are in each of these structures, cilia and flagella. Now, the cilia don't have a random movement. There's a specific pattern of movement. And the pattern is shown here. It's even in different stages of movement, like the power stroke or propulsive stroke, as we see here, and the recovery stroke that we see here, when the cilium is uh, returning to its initial position. And the movement is in one direction, always. And it's usually covered by mucus. If the cilia don't move, then you can guess what happens in the respiratory system. All the things that we breathe, even bacteria and viruses, cannot be eliminated. One of the reasons why we get sick, when we get exposed to cold weather, excessive cold weather, is because cold temperatures slow down the movement of cilia. And therefore, if there's a virus, if it's are so lucky that you get a virus in your respiratory system, that can be cannot be eliminated efficiently, and it can produce an infection there. But everything is in terms of chance, risk, because not everyone that gets in cold weather gets sick. The virus must be present. And there are different diseases, like cystic fibrosis one of the diseases, where we see deficiency of movement of the cilia. And you can guess, these people have frequent infections, pneumonia, that damage the lungs, important. Microvilli. Microvilli, as I said, is different. They don't have any microtubules inside. They are just extensions of the membrane, but they are in a finger-like way finger-like extensions of the plasma membrane to increase the surface for what? For absorption, usually. So small intestine, large intestine, they have lots of these microvilli. Kidney tubule cells, in the kidneys, there is absorption, there is excretion, movement of substances across the membrane. And if we have more area of the membrane, they will be more efficient. Increased surface area for absorption. That is the point of the microvilli. They don't have microtubules, but they do have a core of microfilaments of actin. It doesn't keep that shape of finger like projections. Otherwise, it would be like fingers of a glove without air that would just fall, not be all um, uh, functional. And that's the shape of the microvilli on the surface of the cells. And this is a, a good example. This is a cuboidal cell, a cuboidal cell, because it has the shape of a cube. This is usually found in the kidneys, cuboidal cells. Microvilli are shown in that. And the actin filaments, they are like the kind of skeleton of these uh, fung- finger light projections called microvilli. Questions, comments to this point. We've described quickly some organelles and important things to remember about them. Now let's get into the nucleus. The nucleus is a central, a central part of the cell. That is where the DNA is located. The DNA is arranged in chromosomes, chromatin, The nucleus is present in the majority of cells of the body, although there are some type that don't have a nucleus, like the red blood cell. The red blood cell does not have a nucleus in its mature form, but it had a nucleus when it was young. During development, the red blood cell has a nucleus, but then the nucleus is removed from the cell. But still, the cell is functional. That's what a mature red blood cell is, with no nucleus. But the majority of cells, they have a nucleus, at least. There are some others that have more than one, like the skeletal muscle. When we see the skeletal muscle cells under the microscope, that's one of the features that we will take care of. And notice, many nuclei, many nuclei inside, uh, in those cells. And again, the, the word nucleus, nucleus is uh, from Latin, and, and it's a singular word. The plural is nuclei. C-L-E-I. And in the nucleus, we can recognize three main parts. The nuclear envelope, which we talk a little bit about the membrane system. Nucleoli. Nucleoli is a plural word singular is nucleolus we call nucleoli because there may be more than one and the chromatin chromatin that's where the DNA is here we see it in a a graph chromatin nucleolus in the very center and the nuclear envelope continues with the ER as we see in this graph nuclear envelope We saw that it's part of the endomembrane system and it contains pores. It contains pores because there will be movement of substances from the nucleus to the cytoplasm and back and forth. And those substances are usually complex molecules, large molecules. Like messenger RNA, messenger ribonucleic acid that goes through the pores. It's a very long molecule, complex molecule. It cannot go across easily like simple diffusion. It will not go in vesicles. Instead, there are pores in the nuclear envelope, and that's where this RNA gets to the cytoplasm. Nucleoli, what are nucleoli? They are, they are bodies, like circular, spherical bodies found in the nucleus. What are they for? We can see them in the nervous cells, the neurons, very clear. We mentioned that when we see neurons because we clearly see, and using this microscope, we'll be able to see nucleoli in the nucleus of the neuron. Well, these bodies, they are involved in the production of ribosomes. The ribosomes we mentioned, they are made of proteins plus ribosomal RNA, a particular type of RNA or ribonucleic acid. Well, they are produced here in the nucleoli. in the nucleoli. They're usually one or two per cell. They are made of proteins and pieces of DNA and RNA. And the chromatin, chromatin is a name we give to the DNA. When we see the cell under these light microscopes, we see the nucleus, we see the nucleus, and inside the nucleus we see a colored material. It's usually darker than the rest. And the word chromatin, that's what it means, something with color. That was the first description of so the nucleus, of the material seen in the nucleus, chromatin. Well, then afterwards, in the next studies of the cell under the microscope, they saw that this, this, uh, this chromatin got arranged and condensed in specific shapes. And those shapes or bodies we'll call chromosomes. So, chromosome stands for bodies with color. And actually, they are condensed chromatin. And during cell division, that's what happens. The DNA gets condensed or loose because it's expressing messages. That was something that we discovered much later. So 30% of the chromatin is made of DNA, 60% of histone proteins. Histones are proteins that help to wrap the DNA. The DNA strand, if you stretch it out, will be like really long would not fit in the nucleus unless it's wrapped around specific proteins called histones. And the difference, 10%, is ribonucleic acid or RNA. And a representation can be seen in this way. We see the chromatin, actually the chromosome, the chromosome in metaphase, which is duplicated, the one chromosome is only this, But if we magnify the view, then we can get to see the strand, the strand wrapped in histones. and get even more to the detail, we'll see the double helix of the DNA. But those were different stages in the study of this and the development of this uh, knowledge about the chromatin. Okay, questions, comments to this point? I think we should stop here. Uh, we will just give a 10 minute break and then we'll come back and I'll explain to you how to use the software that we're going to use today for the lab part.